Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted Social Distancing Style. For Packers.com, I am Mike Spofford, joined, as always, by my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz, who has now removed his mask and is ready to chat with us today. Weston, it is the bye week for the Green Bay Packers. They enter this bye at 4-0, sitting on top of the NFC North. I know we talked a lot in our last episode about how the offense has been rolling. The defense seems to be showing some signs of progress. So here at the break, I want to get your thoughts on what we might refer to as the unsung heroes on this team. Let's start on the offensive side. Is there somebody that maybe we haven't talked about a whole heck of a lot on this show on the offensive side of the ball that you would consider an unsung hero in this 4-0 start? Yeah, Mike, I'm, I'm going to go with Lucas Patrick uh, as the answer to that question. Now, for, for a number of reasons. One, uh, Lucas started the season. I remember if you go back to August, we were having a conversation with him about how he was making sure that he was staying ready. Uh, he was wearing a COVID-type, I think, Oakley face mask uh, to make sure that you know he stayed healthy and, and was accountable in case they ended up needing him as a, sort of that inside backup at the top three interior positions. Well, then, as it turns out, because of the injuries at right tackle, he starts the opener against Minnesota, and then, unfortunately, the injury to Lane Taylor, and Lucas Patrick has become a starting offensive lineman for the Green Bay Packers, and what I really like about him is, is he has a lot of the same intangibles, I think, as TJ Lang had uh, during his run in Green Bay. He's a very nice guy. I mean, you can sit down and have a really intelligent, thoughtful conversation with Lucas Patrick, obviously not right now, but in general. Uh, you can do that. And, but once he's on the field, man, there is just a mean streak in him. And there's a couple offensive linemen. I think Corey Lindsley was the one who mentioned it last week, the way that he finishes plays uh, some defensive linemen don't necessarily like it. It's caused some pushing <laughs> and shoving in practices the past few years of training camp, even in green Bay. But I think it just shows you the type of approach that Lucas has and where he's come from. He's a very humble beginnings kind of kid. He's self-made through and through, whether it was his education or now being in the National Football League. And he plays with that edge to him. Uh, nobody is his friend on the opposite side of the field. He needs to you know, continue to show that he deserves this opportunity. And very quietly, Mike, in these first month, this first month of the season, uh, Lucas has become a starting offensive lineman, and that isn't going to be changing anytime soon. He looks like he's the starting right guard. Yeah, and I am totally with you here in terms of the unsung heroes. I guess it's natural to look at the offensive line, and I'm going to go there as well. First, I want to say definitely a shout-out to Adam Stenovich, the offensive line coach, for all of the injuries that the Packers have dealt with on the offensive line, the shuffling around and everything that you mentioned. This unit has held together. It is. It has executed it hasn't been noticed who's playing in what spot. And that's a credit to Stenovich and to assistant offensive line coach, Luke Butkus. So I definitely want to get that out there, but I am with you as far as the offensive line. And I'm going to mention the name of Corey Lindsley. And I know we have talked about him a little bit on the show. So I'm probably breaking my own rule a little bit in that respect, but I'll say this. If Corey Lindsley is going to get to a pro bowl at some point here in his career, Man, you would think it would be this year, the way this has started, the way the Packers, the way the, the Packers offense has gotten off to this start. It's ranked at the top of the league in so many categories. Corey Lindsley and Aaron Rodgers have been completely on the same page. Rodgers has talked about it with regards to the protection calls, the adjustments that are made up front, all of that communication. 
falls on Corey Lindsley. And, you know, Rodgers has talked about it. He's only been sacked three times in four games, and he blames himself for, for two of those. So um, I think, uh, you know, number 63 in the middle of it all here for the Packers on the offensive line. And I totally agree with you going with number 62, Lucas Patrick, as another guy in this discussion. What the Packers have done up front, especially on the, uh, the interior of that offensive line, has been pretty impressive. Yeah, and, and just to touch on your, your pick of Lindsley as well. Yeah, he's a starter. Yeah, he's been entrenched, and certainly we have talked about him. But I think this is a guy that over the course of his six, seven years has really gone unappreciated, underappreciated, I should say, in Green Bay. You know, I go back to 2014, Mike, and I, I kind of wrote about this last week uh, in the feature I did on him. You know, I remember being at the Press Gazette, and, and this was the guy that very modest expectations as a fifth-round pick. J.C. Treader suffers, I believe it was that knee injury, right before the start of the season. And, and Corey had to start that first game against Seattle without having taken any preseason snaps with Aaron Rodgers, very minimal uh, snaps with him in practice during training camp. And here he is, lo and behold, as the starting week one center for Green Bay. And he got a lot of praise those first two years. And there was a lot of, you know, pushing for him to be make a Pro Bowl. And then for whatever reason, in 16, 17, 18, it got quiet again. Now, he has been a Pro Bowl alternate the past two years. But I do think when you talk about a guy that has really shown uh, his stripes as a leader and also uh, just a really darn good offensive lineman, uh, a guy like Corey Lindsley, I don't think you can really say enough about him. Yeah, I totally agree. All right, defensive side of the ball. Who's your unsung hero through this four-game winning streak, Wes? Yeah, there's a lot of guys you could say here. Um, yeah. I, I'm going to actually kind of split this award a little bit. I'm going to give it to Tyler Lancaster and Kingsley Kiki. And, and the reason I want to do that is because on the other side of this, and obviously you were a part of Kenny Clark's uh, conference call on Saturday, and, and I had asked Kenny about this. One thing the Packers needed to learn here earlier in the year is – who are they going to be able to count on to make sure that Kenny doesn't have to play 85% of the snaps this year in this last three weeks, it is not the way you want to do it. You do want to not have, you know, Kenny Clark available for, you know, it'd be the last what 14 quarters. Now he needs to be on the field. He's a pro bowler and he's a, he's a guy that really does make that defensive front work. He makes everybody's life easier. But the one thing that this challenged the Green Bay Packers to do was to find other guys on the defensive line that are going to be able to take some of the pressure off Kenny when he does return. I think Lancaster and Kiki have done that in entirely different ways. Lancaster has basically been the nose tackle, that one technique right over the center here in the base packages, and he's gotten better every single week. It hasn't always been perfect, but I thought he's really put together two of his better performances maybe the best performances he's had in two plus seasons with Green Bay in back-to-back -back weeks here. Certainly the way he, he showed out and, and really clogged up the middle of the field there for Todd Gurley in that game against Atlanta. But then you look at Kiki too, you know, there are a lot of years here, the last few seasons since Mike Daniels has been gone where it has to be Kenny Clark is that one defensive lineman in the dime package. I think Kiki has shown that he's up for that duty as well. He obviously had a sack there two weeks ago uh, and then also contributed another out of the base package. He's made a big jump this year in year two, and he has sort of some of those Mike Daniels type qualities. He's not the biggest defensive lineman in the world, but he's powerful and he's playing with more power this year. I think Kiki and Lancaster, two unsung guys that are going to make the Packers job a lot easier here as the season wears on on the D line. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And in fact, you stole my thunder a little bit with regards to Tyler Lancaster, but you knew you Northwestern, were doing that. Northwestern, I should have anticipated yeah, you, that. Yeah, you knew you were doing that anyway. I'll say this though, too, just to follow up on that. Mike Pettin, it wasn't a, it wasn't a big blown up comment by any means, but last week after the New Orleans game, 
when Mike Pettin met with the media, he slipped a line into one of his answers about the defensive line. And he said, Tyler Lancaster graded like right around a hundred percent when they, when they graded the snaps from the saints game. So that prompted me like, huh, I wonder what that's all about. So now after the Falcons game, I've taken a look at the, the defensive film after I did my, what you might've missed on Zadarius Smith, which is posted on Packers.com. I went back and looked at everything from Tyler Lancaster in the Falcons game. So I'm actually going to put together another what you might have missed next week since we don't have a new game to look at. But I'm telling you, Tyler Lancaster's film from the Atlanta game really, uh, really is impressive. And, uh, and I'm excited to put that together. So keep an eye out for that early next week. To throw another name out there, Wes, in this unsung hero category on the defensive side, I'm going to say Adrian Amos. And I know on our last show, I talked about that great play he made coming over, knocking the ball out of Calvin Ridley's hands, you know, at the goal line when the Falcons were trying to score on that fourth and 10 play. But here's the, here's the thing with, with Amos. It's, it's not so much the splash plays like that, that, that really get noticed. How often have you seen in these four games, even with the times the defense has had its struggles, how often have you seen a miscommunication on an assignment on who's covering who and who's supposed to be where? That hasn't really happened on defense thus far. And I credit Adrian Amos a lot for that. He's the, the communicator in the back end. He's the one who's you know relaying the, the checks and calls to the corners and, and the other defensive backs who are out there. I think Amos has done a really, really solid job now that he's in his second year of, of Mike Pettin's defense. And I know, hey, everybody on this defense has missed a tackle here and there. I know we saw Amos took a bad angle on the one run by Kamara in New Orleans that got out of the gate. You know, okay, so that happens. From a communication standpoint, I really think Adrian Amos has been a very, very valuable player in Pettin's defense. Yeah, and to throw one more out there too, Mike, almost as an honorable mention, and, and I probably should have done this gentleman instead so you could have still had Tyler Lancaster. That's, that's okay. I forgive you. The show is unscripted. so It's you know, unscripted. There's I, no pre-production I, meeting anymore, right. especially during that's, the COVID era. So. Right. We, don't, we, we can't get together and do that kind of thing. <laughs> could always text i guess but i mean you know that that, that ah, is what it is nah, no nah. hey let's throw this one out there too chris barnes now now barnes did yeah. suffer a shoulder injury you hope for his sake he's going to be okay coming out of this but you know barnes is a guy mike you know for a number of years here the packers have really struggled to fill that run linebacker spot it was the spot that you know really jake ryan held down pretty well for the better part of four seasons and ryan was kind of an underrated player in that regard people's you know, sometimes there isn't that appreciation. If you're not a three down linebacker, there's not that appreciation for what those guys do on the early downs. I think Chris Barnes is reminding everyone so far with what he's done through the first month of the season, exactly how effective that position can be when pr played properly. And he came relatively out of nowhere. This is a guy that I wrote a story on him during the off season program. And, and certainly he had his credentials. He played at UCLA, but I'd be lying if I told you that one of the main reasons I pursued it was because he was Jordan Love's teammate in high school. And here he comes. He was a credentialed four-star athlete when he went to UCLA for whatever reason, kind of flew under the radar in the draft process, hurt by the fact he didn't have a pro day. The Green Bay Packers snatch him up, and here he is. Week one ends up playing with the defense. This past week ends up sharing the communication helmet duties with Ty Summers when Christian Kirksey now is on injured reserve. This is a guy, Mike, that he isn't just a thumper. He's not just a guy that's going to get down the ball carrier. He can make open field tackles. He's shown some stuff in coverage. 
Green Bay Packers, Mike, over the years, obviously you and I have talked ad nauseum about the undrafted free agent process and the college free agency and how important that is to building a 53-man roster. Chris Barnes, very quietly, for a guy that did start the season on the practice squad, has been a really sharp addition for this defense here in the early going. Yeah, and we've actually heard from a few of our insider inbox readers out on the West Coast who have mentioned that Barnes wasn't necessarily a totally healthy linebacker as he finished up his career at UCLA. And that may have been part of the reason he did fly under the radar and go undrafted, not just because, you know, he didn't have a pro day and whatnot. He might not have had, you know, all that, uh, the best of his film might not have been what, um, you know, scouts and and, and other folks were looking at. So uh, the Packers look like they, uh, um, you know, they scored another undrafted gem there with regard to Barnes. Um, quickly, a little bit of sponsor business here, Wes. Sirius XM NFL Radio Channel 88 is the only radio outlet dedicated to the National Football League seven days a week, 365 days a year. And everyone also needs to gear up for game day, open a Packers checking account from Associated Bank and score a $50 Packers Pro Shop gift card. Learn more at associatedbank.com backslash Packers. All right, Wes, before we take a break here for the bye weekend, the Packers will not be playing in week five, obviously, in the NFL, but there are some other interesting games to keep an eye on. First and foremost, Thursday night football, the Chicago Bears against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So here you're talking about the team the Packers are going to play Tampa Bay coming right out of the bye and the team that as of now looks like the Packers biggest challenger for the NFC North title in the three and one Chicago Bears. How do you see this one shaping up on Thursday night football? Yeah, if the Packers had their druthers here, I think they'd be hoping for a tie, a really demoralizing, (laughs) depressing uh, tie in which neither team plays particularly well. Uh, No, I mean, this is going to be a good little battle and really seeing how the Bears bounce back is going to be the biggest Uh, really indicator I think of where their season is heading Tampa Bay it's really funny Mike for as many issues as they had a year ago and certainly Jameis Winston's interception streak at the end of the year got a lot of attention it kind of overshadowed the fact they had a pretty darn good defense in a lot of playmakers on that side of the ball how exactly does Nick Foles bounce back from kind of a downtrodden performance that's going to be huge and then also Mike father time still cannot locate Tom Brady and there were some (laughs) you know, ups and downs early on, and people are wondering what he's going to look like at age 43. Well, last week he looked like Tom Brady, and he looked like he's having a lot of fun doing it. So uh, I've said it from the beginning, Mike. If you go back and play back the unscripted that you and I did, I think in early August, the Packers-Buccaneers game, that's the one I had circled on my schedule all along just because you don't get these type of matchups very often, and and it added a new layer uh, with seeing Tom Brady once again for Green Bay. The Bears started off, they won the games they're supposed to win. Now they're seeing some real tough competition. Are they the team that they felt they were? <laughs> well, what you said about Brady is really interesting because after week one, the Buccaneers have a big NFC South matchup against the New Orleans Saints. That's how they start their season. The Saints get the win. Not that anybody was super surprised by that, but in this age of the instant analysis and the snap judgment, everybody wants to write off Tom Brady. Oh, it's not going to work in Tampa Bay. You know, Brady is on the decline. Well, then what's he doing less than a month later? Yes, he throws a pick six against the Chargers that helps put his team in a 24 to seven hole, but he brings his team back from that 24 to seven hole with a vengeance against a pretty darn good Chargers team that uh, looks like they've got a rookie quarterback who's going to be their guy of the future. 
and uh, and the Buccaneers end up winning that winning that game against the Chargers, coming back from a 17 point deficit. They're sitting at three and one, and guess what? They're in first place in the NFC South despite losing Week One to their division rival, the New Orleans Saints. So. And you said it with regard to the Bears. This is all about Nick Foles. And how does he bounce back? He comes off the bench, leads the big comeback against the Atlanta Falcons. Everybody in Chicago is all fired up. All right, now they've got their quarterback. And then the Indianapolis Colts completely shut down that Chicago Bears offense, and they, they lose at home. They're sitting at 3-1, and one, and now they've, they've got a big game here with, uh, with Tampa Bay on a national stage. Heading into Sunday – we talked on our last show about Sunday night football will be the Vikings and the Seahawks. And that's obviously going to be a big game that a lot of Packers fans will have their eye on. So with the bears playing on Thursday night, with the Vikings playing on Sunday night and with the lions being on the bye week along with the Packers, what do you watch on Sunday afternoon, Wes? Let, let well, give me something well, here. Depending on where exactly you are right now in our country, <laughs> uh, the, the two big matchups I have my eye on one, just because of following what has been going on in Atlanta how do they do against Carolina? Uh, you know, th- this thing doesn't really have huge playoff implications right now, but this is probably the game where they have to be able to find a way to win it. And, or there could be, you know, maybe you're looking at the type of changes that, that Houston went through. Yeah. But also the Oakland. Oh man, I caught myself there. The oh, Vegas look Raiders, out. Mike. <laughs> there you go. My goodness. Uh, against Kansas city. Now, obviously there's been a lot of stuff in the media here about Kansas city. We'll see how the week plays out. Um, but, you know, the Raiders are a team that they've done good things and they've had moments. Are they able to sustain them? Because this is the biggest test. For a lot of time, a lot of years, they talked about the rebuild. They talked about all these things. The moves that they made this offseason weren't the type of moves a rebuilding team makes. They were making a push here. They're two and two. They've had some highs. They've had some lows. And then Kansas City's Kansas City. This is a measuring stick game. And especially in that division, these are the type of matchups that you have to win if you're really going to compete for a playoff spot. Yeah, that will be a big game out there in the AFC West. I will throw another one at you, and it is the Giants against the Cowboys. Yeah. And I bring that one up for a couple reasons. Not only because it's just interesting to follow what's going to be happening here in Dallas with Mike McCarthy taking over there, being in his first season as head coach of the Cowboys. But here's the thing, Wes. If the Giants beat the Cowboys, and if the Steelers beat the Eagles, which they would be favored to do, and if the Rams beat Washington, which they should be favored to do, through five weeks, there will be every team in the NFC East will only have one victory apiece. Like it's actually, it's, it's not just possible. It's, it's, you know, there's, there's a legitimate chance of this happening here that after five weeks, every team, no no team in the NFC East will have two victories. Now the Cowboys are, the Cowboys have the best chance to, uh, to change that narrative, get their second victory against a Giants team that is struggling dealing with injuries and all that. But this, this story with regard to the NFC East is, is not going away. Well, and let's be honest about something here. I mean, for whatever reason, I don't watch the Eagles enough week to week to tell you exactly what has sort of hampered them since their Super Bowl win and, and why they've been kind of hovering near that 500 mark for so long now. But Dallas was built to compete this year. They, they were built to contend for a championship. And, and this is going to be uh, the type of game that I think, well, one, obviously the division ramifications of it are huge, but you got to start picking some of these up and you can't just be, because I mean, realistically, Mike, they're one onside kick away uh, from potentially being at 0-4 at this yeah. point. So yeah, uh, that's going to be, that's going to be absolutely critical. And in looking at that division as a whole, they've already made the announcement. Uh, Dwayne Haskins not going to be starting for Washington. 
it's very interesting that the reports are right now that Haskins won't even be active. So that means for the first time since his gruesome leg injury, uh, Alex Smith will be active in this game. So if things don't really go well early on, could you be looking at Alex Smith retaking the reins there in Washington? So many things to figure out with that division. And unfortunately, Mike, for the better part now of what, four years, basically since almost Tom Coughlin was with the Giants, uh, there's just been this weird thing going on in that division where nobody's really ever been a clear front runner and everybody's kind of within striking distance of the lead. Yeah. Uh, it's going to be an interesting division to follow regardless of, uh, regardless of who ultimately emerges because the way it works, Wes, is whoever wins that division, however many wins it is, they're not only in the playoffs, but they get to host a playoff game. That's yeah. that, that, that is how it works here. So, uh, well, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to follow that as the season goes along. Yeah. And, and just looking back to the Packers very quickly, we'll close on this. I mean, this is kind of a huge week. Uh, when you look at the way that this shuffles out, you have Houston, who's going to be coming up on the schedule. They're zero and four going up against Jacksonville. They just made their coaching change. We already talked about the Vikings and, and them trying to get the, you know, their situation straightened out going and facing a tough Seahawks team on the road. And honestly, Mike, keep an eye, too, on that matchup between the San Francisco 49ers and Miami. That's almost kind of like the old boxing match, right, where the the contender, the champion, loses a couple, and then they get a tune-up fight. It's kind of a tune-up fight here for the 49ers. Can they still prove in a division that appears to be pretty jam-packed and Seattle's not allowing them to stay within the race right now, can they pick up a win that they most definitely need with them now within the radars for the Packers in the next month or so. Yeah, no question about it. Well, with that, we will sign off on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team this week through the bye weekend. Lots of content available on Packers.com. For Wes, I am Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.